What's up, One Church? How y'all doing? Fantastic. Let me be the first to say happy birthday. Now, let me tell you the reason why I'm saying happy birthday, three reasons. Number one, we got two people on the stage whose today is their birthday. David Lanham, the bass player, uh, man, I love David, and Mike Byer, who is playing acoustic guitar over here. Can we wish him happy birthday? And secondly, the other person who has their birthday is you, because today, seven years ago today, one church started. So excited about that. We started in the movie theater September 9th of 2007, and uh, it was so cool when we started one church, we actually realized that Clarksville didn't need another church. How many of y'all, when you were driving here, passed by church? Right? Many of us. There are churches on every corner. And one of the things we realized, why start a church when there's so many churches in Clarksville? And here was the reason why, is we didn't want to start a church for people who go to church. Because that's what most churches are at. They're they're created for people who are kind of church people. We realized we wanted to start a church for people who did not go to church. And let me give you a statistic that every time I can, I preach, I bring it up. Here, it's going to be on the screen. 88% of people in Clarksville don't go to church. 88% of people in Clarksville don't go to church. And I believe that if Jesus was here physically, he would be hanging out with unchurched people instead of being here with us church people. Here's the reason why I say that is because when you look at the Gospels, the story of Jesus' life, the people he hung out with were the people who were very unlike him. The people who struggled with mess and junk and whose lives were just messy. I love that about Jesus. In fact, Jesus' mission, it's actually in Luke 19.10, and here it is. It says, Jesus says, I came to seek and to save those who were lost. Seeking to save those who were lost. So when we started this church seven years ago, we actually took 35 people from another church, and uh, the church was downtown, First Baptist. They launched us, and their goal was this. Let's reach people who do not go to church. And that has been our goal for the past seven years. People who don't know all of the lingo, don't know all of the stories, and let's create an environment where they can connect with God and connect with each other. And I am so thankful for you guys. Can we give it up? You guys are awesome. Thank you so very much for all that you do, all that you give, all that you serve, all of that stuff. Now, today we're starting a new series entitled Ownership. And you may be thinking, why are we talking about this? Because let me tell you this. Here at One Church, we don't have any members. We have owners. We have owners. And here's the reason why. It's because members have privileges. Owners have rights. All right? Is that right? Yes. All right? Owners have responsibilities. Right? So here's the thing. I am challenging every one of us in here this, this month to basically step off the side of the bench and to get into the game. In fact, one of the things how we determine ownership here is we really gauge it by three different things. We want to see people get involved. We want to see people start serving, start giving, and joining a small group. And uh, some of you guys, uh, you know, you're, you're giving, but you're not serving. Some of you guys are serving, but you're not in a group. And I am going to challenge you over the next four weeks that wherever you're at, really to take a step or to join a team. Now, I'll tell you, we do this ownership class. Usually, it's about four weeks, and it's, and it's about an hour uh, a week. And what I'm going to challenge you guys, we're going to be talking about a lot of this stuff we do in ownership class in here and in community groups. So everybody's going to be going through the exact same thing. 
really excited about today because today we're looking at how we connect with God. Now, how many of y'all have heard of Vince Lombardi? All right, everybody know Vince Lombardi. How many of y'all glad it's football season? Ah, right? Telling you what, War Eagle. Just come on, baby. That's what I'm saying. All the rest of y'all UT fans, I'm sorry. So, um, y'all, y'all have a football team in about six to seven years. Um, anyway, did I just say that out loud? I did. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, some of y'all thinking, I can go to another church. I'm <laughs> anyway, but let me tell you, this is Vince Lombardi. Kind of, He took that football and he put it up. He says, this is a football. He was getting back to the basics with his team. This is what we're going to be doing today and over the next four weeks. Because today, I'm going to go back to our mission statement. In fact, many of us, we know our mission statement by heart. But let me, if this is your first time or if you're kind of new here, here's our mission statement. And it's this, to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Can you say that with me? To lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything that we do, that directs it. If, if what we're doing, does, if we're not accomplishing that, then we stop doing it. Or if there's something we need to start doing, and it's going to help us lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we'll do it. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do. No right or wrong answers. Um, we're going to keep that mission statement up on the screen. I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to tell them, in your opinion, which one of those words or phrases is the most important to you. Go. you got 30 seconds. All righty, let's dig down deep. How many of y'all, you said the most important phrase or word in there is Jesus? How many of y'all get, went to the Sunday school answer, right? The answer's Jesus, all right? That was a safe answer, but there's no right or wrong answer here, okay? Jesus is very important, right? He's our goal. All right, how many of y'all, you said, you know what? It's about people. It's leading people. How many of y'all, you said that? Okay, cool. All right, very good. Here's the thing. Here at One Church, we're not about denominations or religion or even building buildings. Uh, one day we'll get a building and all that stuff, but that's never going to be our focus. Our focus is always going to be on people, leading people. And how many of y'all said growing relationship? All right, very good. That's what I want to talk about today. A growing relationship. Because what does a growing relationship look like? Think about that. Now, how many of y'all, you kind of grew up in church, or maybe you were in church and you got bumped out? Let me see your hands. All right, a bunch of you guys. All right, a bunch of you guys. You see, let me tell you, I grew up in church, and how people defined a growing relationship, it kind of looked like this. And it, may, and it may be like this way for you. It was all about knowledge. If you had the right knowledge, then you had a growing relationship with Jesus. If you could say all of these big words, and if you could like read the Bible and like not mispronounce the names in the Bible of like the begats and the begats, right? How many of y'all ever read that and like, dear Jesus, those were really complicated. All right, anyone besides me? I'm thinking half these people, if they were in middle school, would have been beat up because of their names, right? But here's the thing. Some people just think, you know what, a growing relationship is all about the knowledge. But let me just push back on here because here's the whole thing. It's evident that just knowing a lot of facts and knowing a lot of knowledge isn't the same thing as having a growing relationship. Nowhere did Jesus say that being spiritual meant you had to have all of the right answers, 
Nowhere, in fact, in fact, in Jesus' day, the people who knew the most about God, the ones that knew the Bible the best, the religious Pharisees, those are the people that hated him and that eventually killed him. In fact, there's another part in the Bible that says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So this whole idea of a growing relationship that is all about facts is incorrect because it's more than just facts. How many of y'all, maybe you grew up in this tradition where it was all about church attendance, right? How many of y'all, that was you. That was kind of me, that if you went to church on Sunday morning and then Sunday night and then you went Tuesday night visitation and then there was Wednesday night, right? And there may have even been something on Thursday and it just, the church was kind of there to keep you busy because if they keep you busy, they would keep you from sinning, right? And that was kind of their growing relationship. That's what it looked like. For others, it was about, you know what? A growing relationship is about how fast you can open your Bible to a specific passage. How many of y'all remember Bible drills? Anybody? All right, you and me, all right? They would say, you would take your Bible, and it would have to be closed, and they would say, okay, Leviticus 17.11. And whoever got to Leviticus 17.11, the fastest, you are the most spiritual. And some of you are going, there's a, there's a book named Leviticus, right? I'm just telling you, all right? Don't ask for me to spell it. Here's the thing. When Jesus, when somebody asked Jesus this question, what is the most important commandment? What is the most, of all of this stuff in the Bible, what is the most important? You know what Jesus boiled it down? Do you know how Jesus defined what a growing relationship looked like? He defined it by relationships. In fact, this is how Jesus responded. He says, you are to love God and you're to love other people. You're to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you're to love other people as yourself. In fact, he says in the Sermon on the Mount, you're even to, to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So how Jesus defined a growing relationship was by, you're, you're sitting down, relationships. So that's how we define what a growing relationship is, Jesus, uh, here in, in one church. A growing relationship, we call these the three vital relationships. And we believe that if anyone is working on these three vital relationships, then they are getting closer to God. And here they are. The first one is intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. We believe here at One Church that you, it's not about a religion, but you can actually have an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that is through Jesus. So, intimacy with God. The next one is community with insiders. Community with insiders. And then the last one is influence with outsiders. Influence with outsiders. So let's say that together. Three vital relationships are intimacy with God, community with insiders, and very good. We believe, no matter how much Bible knowledge you have or how many times you attend, that if you're growing in your relationship with God, and if you're getting along with people inside the church and you're leveraging your influence and telling other people about Jesus outside of the church, then we believe that you are growing in in that growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, it's that intimacy with God today that I want to land on for the rest of the 30 minutes I have with you guys. Because I believe that God longs to have a relationship with everyone. And I believe that we can have a growing relationship, but it really does boil down to one specific point, and it has everything to do with what's in front of me. I have some hot water, and I'm going to be placing some tea bags in here, and let's see what happens. I think some of you who have college educations are going, 
I think I know what's going to happen. All right, here's the thing. Let me tell you why what we're going to be talking about that's important today. Because so many of us, we believe that we can have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ if we just show up for church on Sunday mornings. That's the reason why some of you are here. I can, I can actually have a growing relationship with God if I just show up on Sunday mornings. Others, you think, if I can just hear the right sermon, if the pastor is deep enough, if he preaches one of those mm sermons. Anybody know what an mm sermon is? You ever been to a church and the pastor hits this point and everybody goes, mm. Y'all try it. Ready? I'm going to say something and then you go, ready? I'm going to say something. Right? All right? Everybody goes, mm. It's kind of like they have a stomach problem, right? Mm. All right? Or sometimes you've been at other churches and they'll go, amen. All right? I want to say, ready? All right, very good. That never happens here at one church, by the way. Uh, and anytime anybody goes, mm, it really does mean they probably have a stomach problem here at one church. So, but here's the thing. We think if we could just hear a pastor who's deep enough and who's really good at communicating, or if we show up and the worship team, if their songs are good enough, then I'm going to have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me just go ahead and pop that bubble. Because I'm not that good, and our team is not that good, and no communicator is, any, is not going to be that good for you to have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and you only hear the word once a week. It's just not going to happen. If your idea of having a growing relationship is just showing up on Sunday, let me tell you, you might have a relationship with God, but it's not a growing relationship because you've got to do something throughout the week every day, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Because it's not just about showing up to grow up. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, then you're going to have to get into God's word every day. This is our big idea today. Being a Christian without reading the Bible is like being alive without eating. If I asked you guys, if I challenged you, how would your physical bodies look if you ate as much as you read the Bible during the week? Some of you would be going, I wish that was the case because I'd be a lot skinnier, right? That's what some of you would be thinking. But here's it. How, how physically strong would you be if you ate as much as you read the Bible? Most of us, we would be famished. But yet, we wonder how come spiritually we're all skin and bones, it's amazing. One of the metaphors that's repeated over and over and over throughout the entire Bible is that God's word is like our food. Jesus says we are not to just eat bread, but we're to eat every word that comes out of this book. He says that in Matthew chapter 4. He says in 1 Peter that it's not just about the milk, but it's about the steak of God's word. We're going to be reading, and the primary book we're going to be at today is going to be in Psalm Psalm 119, and one of the Psalms in Psalm 119, it says that his word is like honey to my taste. That this book, we are to eat every single day. We are to let it get inside of us, and, we, and it gives us our spiritual full fuel. And here's the thing I know about you and I know about me, is this whole idea, and it's our big idea, that being a Christian without reading the Bible is like being alive without eating. To go without reading the Bible is trying to be alive without really eating. You can't do it. 
Some of you, you're spiritually stuck. Some of you, you're spiritually blah. You feel spiritually tired. Uh, you know, serving feels like more like a chore. Could it be that your spiritual life isn't getting enough food, enough fuel? Listen to this. Currently, 93% of Americans own a Bible. How many of y'all own a Bible? By the way, if you didn't raise your hand, we give away Bibles for free at one church. All right? 93% of Americans own a Bible. Get this. This is interesting. The average household actually has three of them. But do you know that the vast majority of Americans read the Bible less than once a month? And we wonder why we're so jacked up. See, we'll get on Facebook or we'll read a novel or whatever, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. But if you're a Christ follower, being a Christian and not reading the Bible is like trying to be alive and never eating. It's just not going to work. Let me tell you, for most of you, most of us, we eat six times a day. I looked this up on the internet yesterday. Most of us, we eat six times a day. We eat three meals and we have three snacks. Imagine spiritually what you would look like if you read the Bible six times a day. Now, I know some of you push back. Well, I don't understand it. Or I can't do it. it you know, it's, I, I don't know where to begin. We're going to bust all of those bubbles today. And my goal is to get you reading God's Word today. Let me tell you, some of you, you are just ten minutes a day for being radically changed forever. Some of you, you're just ten minutes a day away from being radically changed. I mean, if you could just get in seven days, 15 days, 40 days of just being in God's word, just a few minutes each day, imagine how you would be changed. Imagine how your attitude would be changed. Imagine how you would look differently and act differently to your spouse. Imagine how you would treat your children differently or how different your attitude would be at work. Some of you are just 10 minutes a day away from being radically changed. And today, we're gonna primarily be in the longest chapter in the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, go and open it up to the middle, all right? In the middle, if you pretty much open it up to the middle, you're going to get Psalms. Now, what is Psalms? Psalms is the Hebrew word, and it literally means song, all right? We just sang some songs up here. Well, in the Hebrew people, they sing, sang Psalms, so just, and it almost sounds like a song, doesn't it? The, the longest chapter is Psalm 119, and it's written by a guy by the name of David, how many of y'all ever heard of David? Some of you have, right? He's a fellow who killed Goliath. Um, he's, uh, uh, he's, I think, David Bowie. Didn't he sing some songs? Different David. Uh, but this David, he was a shepherd. He was a king. And uh, he was a warrior. And he is writing. He's going to be writing about uh, God's word. In fact, I'm going to show you. This is so interesting. In Psalm 119, I'm going to read you just the first five verses. And he used synonym after synonym that all refers to God's word. Listen to this. This is not going to be on your screen, but just listen. Joyful are the people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. What is that? God's word. Joyful are those who obey his laws. What is that? God's word. And search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil. They walk only in his past. You have charged us to keep your commandments. What is that? God's word. All right? Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. What is decrees? God's word. Very good, all right? Oh, that my actions would reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life to your commands. What is that? What's the point of Psalm 119? It's all about God's word. Exactly right. So as we dig into this, 
my goal and, I, and where I'm, I'm really going to be landing hard today is if you want to have a relationship with God, you're going to have to make it a consistent daily routine of reading God's word and recording it. So here's our first point. Having a consistent relationship with God, you have to make it a routine. You have to make it a routine. Just as all of us, we have a routine of eating. We eat breakfast, and then at noon we eat lunch, and at dinner, how many of y'all eat at 5 o'clock? Six? Seven? All right, mine's like seven or eight usually because crazy, crazy at the Ebbs household, I'm just telling you. All right. But whenever that is, you have a routine of eating breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And the same thing is happening. We have to pick a time. And one of the things, and the reason why you want to create a routine is in 21 days, if you have that routine, it will create a habit. And habits over time will create a direction for your life. All right? So first, you've got to pick a time. You've got to pick a time. Pick a time when you can meet with God on a regular basis. You need to choose a time during the day when you're going to do this. I mean, isn't it true that the things that are most important to your life you schedule? Right? I mean, how many of y'all, you do bill pay and you schedule it? All right? None of y'all, really? Y'all don't do that? Lord Jesus. All right? I don't, I don't even have checks. Right? Everything is done through bill pay. Right? So I schedule that and it comes out at automatic times. And my tithe. When I give 10% to God, that comes out twice a month automatically. I don't even see it. Because if I saw it, I would be disobedient, right? I would. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, I, I schedule, when I have people who are important in my life, I will schedule time with them. I, I will put stuff on my phone, reminders, hey, i got to go do this. I schedule things. Here's the thing. If you want to prioritize having a relationship with God, then you've got to make it a part of your schedule. And look at what uh, David rises this. He says this in Psalm 119, 147. I rise early before the sun is up. How many of y'all hate David? All right, most of us. All right. I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and put my hope in your words. I stay awake through the night thinking about your promise. Most people say that morning time is the best time to spend time in God's word. But let me just go ahead and say this. The main thing is for you to do it sometime during the day. It doesn't have to be in the morning. The best time to read the Bible is when you're at your best. When you are at your best. When you are the freshest, when you are the most alert. Don't try to serve God with the leftovers. Like how to cram something in at the very end of the day when you put your head on the pillow and right before your eyes close, you're like, ah, oh, First Corinthians. Right? It's just not going to work. Here, let me say this. Some of you are morning people. How many of y'all are morning people? All right, keep your hands up. How many of y'all dislike these people? All right, we're good. All right. Let me tell you, I did not used to be a morning person. When I was a college student, I hated mornings, right? I just did. And you may be a 5 o'clock riser, uh, and you may be a 10.30 in the morning riser. But let me tell you, it doesn't matter when you get up, but you do something the very first thing when you get up, isn't it? Whether it's 5 in the morning or 10.30 in the morning. You do something first. Why not put God's word in there? Why not give God it and let him take the rest of the direction of your day by just spending a little bit of time in his word? It's going to be huge. It's important because you can't be a growing, you can't have a growing relationship without reading God's word. It's impossible, all right? The best time to read the Bible is when you're at your best, all right? Now, here's what's so cool about this. 
I love this because um, there, these few minutes of five minutes of 15 minutes, however long you spend, it just, it really does set the direction for your day. And what's amazing with iPhones and smartphones and stuff like that, it, you can, it'll just remind you. It really will. You've got no excuse. All right. I've got an iPhone. And by the way, how many of y'all have version on your phones? Let me see them. All right, go ahead and, put, and go ahead and get those out if you would. If you have version, because there's some stuff I really want you to do at the end of this message that you can't do if your phone's not out, all right? So go ahead and get version and click on the live events, all right? Go ahead and get that, because I'm going to challenge you with four things that you can't do if you don't have that up. But here, let me tell you, with version, you can get on there, and every morning at 9.15, it reminds me, hey, dummy, you got to read the Bible. And I'm a pastor and I need reminding. I'm a pastor and I struggle with that. And hear me, you are probably, you probably struggle with it as well. This, there's so many tools and and you can go to the bibleapp.com and download it for free and it will help you. Also, second is you need to pick a place. Not just pick a time, but pick a place. Pick a place where you can meet with God. Find a location that's free from distractions and interruptions. And I don't know what that looks like for you. You know, uh, moms of like young kids, I don't know what that looks like for you, right? It may be that's the bathroom and you lock the door and they can't get in. Maybe even more importantly, you lock them in the bathroom. Just saying, all right? But you take some time out for you and you read God's word. Uh, it, it, for, I mean, it may be that um, it may be in the morning. And there's a specific chair at a table, and every time you go there, you read God's word. It may be you drive to work 15 minutes beforehand, and you just sit in the car and you open up your Bible or open up your phone and you read God's word. It, it mean, whatever that is, find, schedule it, have a specific time, and have a specific place whether it's a chair, in your car, the bathroom, whatever it looks like, have a specific place. Now, let me show you the next one. The first one was have a routine. Secondly is this, read the Bible. That kind of sounds like a no-brainer, but I've heard, I remember at my last church when I was in the Midwest, I had one person said, you know, I read God's Word all the time. I listen to Christian radio. Whatever, right? Um, I mean, I tell you, there's no substitute for God's Word. There just isn't. Now, some of you, your biggest pushback right now, I don't read. Well, yes, you do, right? You may not like reading, but how many of y'all, you get on Facebook? Come on now, tell the truth, shame the devil, right? How many of y'all, you're on Candy Crush Saga, and you keep on inviting me, and I want to throw my phone at you, right? (laughs) Please stop it. I don't know how many jewels you get. I don't want to play. All right, sorry, it's a little rant. I'm back on subject. But you read on Candy Crush, right? You, you, I mean, you'll read the paper. You'll read a book, whatever it looks like. You know what? And some of you, if you, can't, if you don't like reading, here's what's so crazy, all right, is you can go to the Bible app, and it will read it to you. Let me listen to this. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who... It'll read it to you. Just telling you. All right? And there's pretty music to put you to sleep. All right? Seriously. I mean, it'll read it to you. 
You can put that through your car, and as you're driving to work, you can turn off whatever you listen to, and you can actually listen to God's Word going in. I mean, how, how cool is that? you got to focus on God's Word. Psalm 119.11 says this. I have, what's that next word? Hidden what? Your Word in my heart that I may not sin against you. There is no sign. You know, that's a promise. If you want to do less sinning, spend more time in God's Word. I mean, there is an inverse of that. If, if you have a dusty Bible, you're going to have a dirty life. But let me tell you, if you read God's Word, it's going to keep you away from sin. It will, all right? It totally will. Now, look at this. I'm going to keep on going. Verse 12. I praise you, O Lord. And look at this. Let me just stop right here. Some of us, when we read God's Word, we struggle with it because we don't interact with it. But look at how David is going to interact with God's Word. O Lord, what's that next word? Teach. Let me tell you the best way that you can interact with God's Word is to teach it to somebody. It is. I got my friend Katie in here. She's smiling. She got this big smile. Let me tell you, she's learning a lot about God's Word because she teaches our, some of our children's. Let me tell you how I learned the most about God's Word is when I, when I was a freshman in college, I started teaching sixth grade boys. And I was scared to death because they're sixth graders, right? They just are. They're not human. They're kind of pre-human, right? And, um, and I just, man, I just, I struggled with that because, and I, I studied, studied, studied because I wanted, I wanted to do well teaching with them. I did. So interact. We teach. We teach it. I have, what's the next word? Recited. Another way we can interact with God's word is we speak it out loud. We speak it out loud. All right, we, you put it on you version. You let it play for you. Or you actually say it. When I was, a, when I was in college, I had a Geo Metro. And uh, it was, you know, everybody remember a Geo Metro? I was kind of bigger than the car, but I got 60 miles to the gallon because I couldn't play. So I would, and I would drive on the Geo Metro, and I had this dashboard that I bought these like plexiglass uh, picture frames, and I would put Bible verses, I'd write them out, and I'd put them in there. And as I drove, I could read it, and I could memorize it, and I would say it out loud. All right? You can do something like that. Totally do that. You recite it out loud, all the regulations you've given us. Look at another way how David interacted with Scripture. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. How many of y'all, that could be said of us? None of us, right? If somebody gave you a million dollars, you'd go, you know what, that's all right. But I get to read the Bible today, right? Right. Anyway, um, look at this. I will study your commandments. Another interaction. I will reflect on your ways. Next verse. I will delight in your decrees. I will not forget your word. Seven different interactions in those four verses. I love that. And look, at, it's what's amazing is when you get God's word into you, something changes within you. Do you know that? There's something over time, consistent, daily, getting into God's word, you change. What do I have up here? I had hot water. What's it turning into? Sweet tea, and if you're spiritual, you put your bunch of sugar in it, right? Just saying. But let me tell you, by the time we're getting done today, there's not going to be water here. It's going to be tea, and the identity will have changed. And let me tell you, you spend time in God's Word enough, you will change. Your children will see a change in your life. Your, your, your parents will see a change in your life. Your teachers will see a change in your life. Your spouse 
will see a change in your life because you will be changing from the inside out. This, what's happening up here, can happen into you consistently over time. You can become a different man. You can become a different woman. Now, to really get something out of this book, you're going to have to read it interactively like David did. So let me just give you some pointers here. You've got to pretend you're a part of this story. First one is this. You've got to ask the question, who is writing or talking? This psalm right here, who is writing it? Anybody remember? David, right? What's his occupation? He is the king of Israel. He was the president of Israel. No matter if you're a Democrat or Republican, if you're the president, you're busy, right? You are. And let me tell you, this is a guy who said, you know what? Even though I am the president, I've got to take time and read God's word. So who was writing? Who was talking? Next is this. Who was is it, who is it written to? Who was it written to? Next. What is repeated? What is trying to be said? In Psalm 119, what's the point of Psalm 119? It's all about God's word. Look at the next one. What would this mean if it were written to me? And lastly, what should I change after reading this? See, the issue is that we must read the Bible not for distance, but for depth. You start small. Some of you think, okay, I don't have two hours where I can just dig into the Bible. Okay, great. You don't have two hours. Do you have seven minutes? Do you have five minutes? Because I would encourage you, if you're kind of new to this Bible reading thing, start small. Start with five minutes. Start with seven minutes. And you pray, you read God's word, and then you say, God, what, how do you want me to change? Now, let me give you just a couple of warnings. First one, don't try for a two-hour quiet time. Don't spend two hours trying just to read the Bible and nothing else because you're going to get discouraged. You will. Second, don't watch the clock. I mean, some of you are thinking, okay, I read the Bible, and I know I've read it for 20 minutes, and it's only been two. And I've been there. It's like, oh, my gosh, right? And then lastly, don't emphasize quantity, emphasize quality. So you have to have a routine, you have to read the Bible, and then third, you got to reflect on the Bible. You have to reflect on the Bible. Look at what David said in Psalm 119, 97. Oh, how I love your instructions, and what does he do? I think about them when? All day long. Let me ask you a question. What do you think about all day long? If you're a guy, I can tell you what you think about. But what do you think about all day long? What do you think about? I mean, what do you spend all day long dwelling upon? Because here's the thing. The things that you think about most will impact your decisions. And if you spend all day long on God's word, you know what's going to happen? It's going to impact your decision. David is the king of an entire nation, and he says, I've got to think about the Bible all day long. Stop and reflect on it. Stop and meditate on it. Now, some of you, how, how do you do that? How do you meditate? How do you reflect? Let me ask you, how many of y'all struggle with worry? Let me see your hands. All right, cool. I, I struggle with worry. Now, I, for those of you that don't struggle with worry, we all hate you now. Um, but I, I struggle with worry. And sometimes I'll be, at, you know, two, three o'clock hits me, and I'll be wide awake, and I'll just be dwelling upon something. Let me tell you, what, just as we worry and we fixate on that problem, meditating on God's word is like positive worrying. 
It's like where you just keep on bringing it up and bringing it up in your head, and you fixate on that all day long. And that means you may have to write it on your mirror, that verse that you're working on that, that week. You just keep it on your mirror, and you just look at it, look at it. You put it on your dashboard. Uh, you text it to friends. You put it on your wall on Facebook. You tweet it out. Whatever that looks like for you, you fixate on it. You remember it. You positive worry it. Totally do that. That's what reflection is. Again, and if you do that long enough, something will change. Next one, and the last one, you have to record it. You have to record it. One of the best ways to interact with the Bible is to write stuff down. If you actually have a paper Bible, one of the best things that you can do is get a pen or a pencil and mark it up. I mean, I've got Bibles when I was in like middle school and high school and college and even when I was a young adult where, I mean, you'd open it up, it looks like a Teletubby threw up because there's so much highlighters, right? It just is. There's nothing wrong with interacting with God's Word and saying, okay, I got that. And a lot of times I'll put a date out. This is what I learned this day. Now, the cool thing about version on your phone is you can actually write notes and you can share it to people right there. It's so, so cool. But you record it. You, I mean, if you have questions about what you're reading, write that question down. If you have something you feel like God is telling you, write that down. If you have a prayer request after you've, after you've read something, you write that down. And here's what's going to happen if you write that down long enough. Because a year will pass, and you're going to go back. And I did this with a, a friend of mine. This past week, I took out my high school Bible, and I opened it up, and all the pages are falling out. And there's just color everywhere and scribbles all over it. I was showing to Patrick. And I could say, this is what I was dealing with when I was in 8th grade, when I was in 10th grade. And I can see God's faithfulness of what's happened because he answered that prayer. I'm telling you, you will be able to see God do some amazing things if you just record it. Look at what David says. He says this, I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I might remain obedient to your word. I have not departed from your laws for you yourself have taught me. David says, when I open up God's book and I begin to read these words, I feel like that God is personally sitting next to me and he's speaking to me. And if you've been a Christian and you've been reading God's word for any amount of time, you know what that feels like. Because I can be reading the Bible and I've read this one passage hundreds of times. But today, it's like God was right there. He was going, hey, Chris, Hey, this is what I want you to get out of this. That's the reason why God's Word is so cool. It's interactive. It it, it works on us and works in us, and it changes us from the inside out. I love that. I tell you, I mean, so many of us, we spend a lot of time trying to get God to do stuff for us. Isn't that right? I mean, if your prayer life is anything like mine, it's like, God, fix my spouse, fix my kids, fix my job, fix the people I work with, Right, fix this, fix that. God, give me this, and I need this, and I need this. How many of y'all, that's what you do. That's what I do. Could it be that God is more interested in saying something to us instead of doing something for us? Could it be that some of our most deepest experiences with our Heavenly Father happens when we're not trying to get God to do something, but we actually just hear God speak? Because God still speaks, and he does it through his word, the Bible. 
And I'm telling you, if you want to be a growing Christian, you have to be in God's word. It's like being alive without eating if you're not. So Psalm 119, the last few verses and we're done. He says this in 103. Um, how sweet are your words. I love that, again, that metaphor of the eating. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way. Next verse. Your word is a lamp to guide what? My feet and a light for what? Oh, time out, David. I mean, the books that you're reading, you only have the first seven books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. That's all David had. And let's be honest, those really are not some of the most exciting books, right? But he, after reading those seven books, he's saying, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is extremely personal. It's extremely personal. David, you're talking as if God knows the circumstances of your life. And David would say, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like he is right beside me and he is teaching me. In other words, and all of that, a light from my path. It's, it's like that you're stumbling around in the darkness. Any of y'all wake up in the middle of the night and you stub your toe? Right? Anybody besides me? All right. I stub my toe. I'm not singing praises to our Heavenly Father when that happens. I'm just going to go ahead and be honest with you. All right? But man, what a difference. Just turning on a nightlight. Right? You're able to see your next step. And that's where God's Word. It, it, it will help us navigate through those dark times that we're struggling. All right? So as we're kind of going through this, I just want to end this. Get into God's Word. And some of you, you're pushed back, well, I don't understand it. You know, I, I have not been to seminary like you've, Chris. Let me tell you, the Bible is written not for people who've been to cemetery. It's written for regular, ordinary people, right? David had no doctorate in Bible knowledge. In fact, he had never really went to any school. He was a warrior. He was a shepherd, right? And he was a poet, but yet... He was able to say, I love and I delight in God's word. So don't feel like you have to have a pastor to be able to kind of just open this up or you have to have some type of degree. So my challenge for you, as I close, a four-part challenge. Are you ready? Everybody get out your phones. Go to your version. All right? I'm there. By the way, I see a few you guys' questions. Thank you so much. All right? Now, on the, on the very bottom... <coughs> The first thing I want you to do on version is I want you to take an ownership survey. All right, you can actually click on this link, and you can interact with this when you get home. But I want you to click on this, and I want you to just kind of gauge how your ownership is here at OneChurch.tv. And uh, we've actually already had about 10, 11 people actually already fill this out. But um, we're also going to send you an email this week to remind you that. But the first thing, I want you to take the survey. Second one is this. See where it says, start a 40-day reading plan? See it? Everybody see it? You can't see it on mine. Your eyes aren't that good. you got to see it on your phone. Start a 40-day reading plan. I want you to do that. I am challenging everyone in here, man, woman. Men, look at me. I'm calling you out. I'm challenging you to this today, right now, I want you to start this reading plan. I'm challenging you, ladies, Let's read the Bible together over the next 40 days. 
I promise you I will do this. In fact, I've already read my first day, right, in between services today, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Do it today. And I want you to read it, and as you're interacting with it, I want you to post it on the One Church Facebook page. Hey, this is what I got out of today's reading. Or you can email it, however you want to do that. But let's start a conversation about God's Word. If you have questions about it, put it on the One Church Facebook page. Right? But go, and how many of y'all, I'm challenging you, you will do the 40-day reading plan. Let me see your phones. Do this for me. Very good. Look, look around. Keep on going. Look at, look at this. All right? The rest of y'all, buy a phone, because maybe that's your struggle. I don't know. All right? All right, keep on going now. So I, I'm, I'm challenging you to read God's Word daily, but look at the next one, the Bible app for kids. How many of y'all are parents? Let me see your hands. Okay. Here's what I'm challenging you to do tonight. I want you to download the Bible app. It's a free, it's a free download. I want you to download it, and there's games you can play on there, but tonight, I want you to spend five minutes with your kids with the Bible app tonight on creation. There's a one specifically made for that. I'm challenging you. Let's do this with our children. If we want our children to grow in their relationship with, with, with God, then we're going to have to teach them how to eat God's word as well. All right? How many of y'all, you'll do that? Let me see it. Just try it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right? And then lastly, how many of y'all have ever read the Bible and didn't understand it? All right? Here's what I'm going to suggest for you to do. You can go to sonniclight.com, or you can go down on version. You can click on there, and it's going to give you this page. It's going to look just like this. This is actually a friend of mine. He's one of my seminary professors. And it's broken up into Old Testament and the New Testament. And we're reading the Psalms, which is Psalms right here. So what you'll do, if you're reading through Psalms and you're like, I don't quite understand that. You can click on that. It'll open up a PDF. And it will walk you through verse by verse through every Bible verse of the entire Bible. So if you ever have any questions, this guy, he knows his stuff. He's a godly man. He's a good friend. And I'm telling you, you can go in here and say, okay, what does Song of Solomon have to say about my life? Come back tonight. We'll talk about it. We'll put on some Barry White. Okay? Um, or let's say you're going through Galatians. And you're like, I don't understand that. I'm telling you, all you have to do is click on that, and it'll walk you through verse by verse. All right? So that gives you four things. First, take the ownership survey. Second, start the 40-day reading plan. Let me see your hands. You're going to do it. Man, you guys rock. Let's give it up right now. You guys are awesome. All right? Then I want you to download the children's app and work with your kids tonight. And if you have any struggles or questions, you're always welcome to call me. You got my number. Or you can actually go on sonniclight.com. All right. Luther, come on out here while I'm answering some questions. All right? I got three questions. Um, Driving and reading the Bible verses was the original texting and driving. Just an observation. Normally, I don't know who wrote those, but Nicole, I know you wrote it. So there you go. All right. So anyway, uh, do you suggest reading cover to cover or open the Bible and begin reading in random places? That's a great question. Let me answer it in two different ways. How many of y'all, you like reading just novels or something? All right, cool. Writing books, okay? Let's say um, I'm trying to pick a, let's say you like Stephen King, okay? Um, if you just opened, if you bought a brand new Stephen King novel, and if you just opened up in a random place, would that be, would you, would that be a kind of good thing to understand the story? Probably not, all right? 
But the Bible, let me tell you this, is not written chronologically. And what I mean by that is this. Um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those are kind of pretty chronological. But after that, it starts getting a little jumbled up. I would encourage you, if you're not reading the Bible regularly, number one, start with the story Bible reading plan. I've asked you all guys to do that for 40 days. After you get past that, I would just encourage you to maybe go to one of the Gospels, maybe Luke or Matthew, and just dig in. Dig in. You can't go wrong if it's about Jesus. I'm just telling you. All right. Great, great question. All right. And then last question. Um, just www.bible.com or bibleapp.com goes to uh, uh, the ESV Study Bible. And let me tell you what's so cool about the U version is if you if you don't like the ESV, that's like a different translation. You can change it to New Living Translation. You can change it to the NIV. You can change it to uh, the NAS. Oh, that was close. <laughs> Gentlemen, y'all almost saw a holy kiss right there. I'm just saying. That just about got real. Anyway. Hey, you but, can, another suggestion, get a chronological Bible. Mm. There are Bibles you can get that are in order. So if you like to read a story where the, whole New, where the Old Testament is, is in order, so that, you know, like when you're reading like Samuel and then you go to Psalms, you're like, hold on, that's talking about what was there. And so a chronological Bible would be a good option on that. Let me also say that, though, and I like that idea. But a chronological Bible, we think, okay, i got to buy something for 40 bucks. You can actually go to version. And there's a chronological plan. What's this version thing? You haven't mentioned okay. that today. Have I not mentioned no, it? No, no. That... It's called the Bible app. You can go to your app store and download it. And it's called Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N dot com. Cool? Dot com, yeah. You good? Yeah. All right, good. All right, see you. <laughs>